Thank you for downloading this sermon from Heritage Baptist Church. We are so glad that you did. We believe that biblically faithful, Christ-centered, God-glorifying local churches are the primary means that God has chosen to expand His kingdom. If you are part of such a church, we hope that this message will supplement your spiritual diet. If you aren't yet part of such a church, we would love for you to visit us. For more details, please check out our website www.heritagebaptist.co.za Well, good evening. Uh, we continue our, our One Another series this evening. And uh, as I said last week, uh, this is the one another commands show us what it means to live in community, how we are to uh, care for one another, how we are to interact with one another, look out for one another, love one another, uh, close to uh, 60 commands given in the scriptures, uh, one another commands given in the scriptures. So uh, very important what that looks like. It is working. Um, Today, we're going to look at a command, uh, admonish one another. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 15, please. Romans chapter 15 and verse 14. We're just going to look at one verse. Romans chapter 15 and verse 14. Uh, Paul says this. He says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. So just that verse, he's talking there to, when he uses the phrase brothers, brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church as a whole, and he's saying that he's satisfied that they are filled with goodness, filled with knowledge and able to instruct one another. That word instruct, some of your translations will say admonish. Admonish one another. Uh, and so uh, we're going to look at, me, at what it means to admonish, to instruct, or to warn one another. Lo Nida in their lexicon, so they, they're clever, really clever guys who looked at the Hebrew and the Greek and they studied it their whole lives and they sort of gave us dictionaries. They said this, uh, this Greek word, nutheteo, means to provide instruction as to correct behavior and belief. So it is to instruct towards correct behavior and correct belief. To instruct, to teach, to warn, to admonish. Those are various uh, ways that it's translated into, into English. Uh, now we live in a, in a world where uh, everyone is hypersensitive. Uh, if you challenge someone on anything, if you confront someone on something... Uh, people take it personally, don't they? Uh, we battle to have a paradigm, and I'm not just speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself. We, have, we battle to have a paradigm of someone who can love us, want what is best for us, and disagree with us. Challenge us on our behavior. Challenge us on what we believe, how we are conducting ourselves. But the, the scripture is very clear. It calls us to admonish one another, to correct one another, to warn one another. Uh, this word, nutheteo, leads to the idea of what is known as nuthetic counseling. 
And uh, really the, the forerunner of it is a man called Jay Adams. And he says this admonition, this nuthetic counseling or nuthetic confrontation has three parts to it. He says nutheteo has the idea of confronting a problem. It This is a direct quote. It presupposes the need for a change in the person confronted who may or may not put up some resistance. The idea that something is wrong in the other person is central. In short, nuthetic confrontation arises out of a condition in the counselee that God wants changed. So the person being confronted uh, has something that God wants to be changed in their life, in the way that they are thinking. The fundamental purpose of nuthetic confrontation is to affect personality and behavioral change. Okay, so that's the first part. It is to seek the change in the person's thinking and their behavior, a change in their personality. There is something wrong in your brother or sister. They are sinning in some way. And it is to confront them on that sin with the, the purpose of seeking change so that they will become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. The second aspect is that the problem is solved by verbal means. So it is through talking. Trench says this, it is training by word, by the word of encouragement when this is sufficient, but also by that of remonstrance, of reproof, of blame, where these may be required, as set over against the training by act and by discipline, which is paideia. And so that's where uh, discipline is involved. So you're looking for change in the person through discipline. whether it's hard labor or a hiding or something like that with children, uh, those, those, that's paideia. That's the Greek word paideia. But nutheteo means that you're confronting the person verbally. You're using words to bring about change in them. And then thirdly, the motive is always to benefit the counselee. And so your motive must always be what is what is best for the person that you're talking to? What is best for my brother and sister? That must be your, your motive. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 14. He says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed. So he says to the church, I'm not writing, I'm not confronting you to make you ashamed, but to admonish, that's the, the same Greek word, as my beloved children. And so the heart of uh, admonition is love. It is love for our brothers and sisters that causes us to confront them, to challenge them, to admonish them. Adam says this, Nuthesis is motivated by deep love and deep concern, in which clients are counseled and corrected by verbal means for their good, ultimately, of course, that God may be glorified. So those are the three components when we admonish one another. We are to uh, confront our brother or sister who is sinning, walking in sin. Uh, There needs to be a change in behavior or a change in personality or thinking. Uh, We are to use words to do it. Uh, We are also to, to speak out of love. We want what is best for that person. We want them to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 11. 
talking about the Old Testament scriptures, he, he says these things happen to them as an example. So the whole of the Old Testament, all those stories, all those narratives, all those accounts, happened as an example to, our, to us. They were written down for our admonition on whom the end of the ages has come. So God has given us His Word, He has given us the Scriptures to admonish us, to correct us. Uh, because of our sin, because of our, the fall in sin, our thinking is incorrect, our behavior is incorrect, and unfortunately, even when the Lord saves us, we don't suddenly become perfect, we don't suddenly have it all together, uh, and so... Uh, we need to confront one another, and God has given us His Word to, to admonish us, to instruct us. But the Scriptures teach, and the passage that we read in Romans 15, is that there are certain qualifications for admonishing. Uh, this is, you know, not that you leave here and you think, that's fantastic, uh, I can just go around correcting people, I'm going to be like the police, I'm on the lookout. Uh, I'm just watching and then I'm going to go and confront people. I'm going to confront them on WhatsApp. I'm going to confront them on Facebook. I'm going to confront them when I see them at the door. I'm going to send them emails and SMSs and write letters. Uh, because, you know, the scripture says we must admonish one another. No, uh, probably then you need to examine yourself that your motive is not one of love. And so this is a challenge because there are some people who love confrontation. Who love to just correct everyone else and they think they're doing the Lord's work and they think they've been faithful to God when in actual fact uh, they're just confrontational people. Uh, it's got nothing to do with love for Christ or love for the other person. Uh, that is just their nature and uh, they confuse that with faithfulness for Christ. And then there's others of us who hate confrontation, who don't like to do it, who are afraid of doing it, who never do it. And the scripture here warns us to to do it. We need to do it. But, what are the qualifications? Well, in the verse that we read, Paul said, goodness and knowledge. He said that he is satisfied that they have goodness and knowledge and are able to admonish one another. And so before you go and start admonishing someone, remember the parable of the Lord Jesus Christ? First take the plank out of your own eye before you, you try and take the splinter out of someone else's eye. The same principle applies here. There must be goodness. You must be walking with the Lord. There must be uh, integrity in your life. There must be a moral quality uh, characterized by love for others, by concern for others. That you have their best interests at heart. And so before you want to go and admonish someone, first examine that. First examine your motive, examine how your walk is with the Lord. Not perfection. Uh, then none of us will ever say anything. Uh, nobody would stand up here uh, if you had to be perfect before you could do anything. Uh, but uh, is there unrepentant sin? Is your motive one of love? Is there goodness? And then secondly, is there knowledge? Do you know God's Word? Uh, what often happens, what I see, is that people just admonish, not based on knowledge of Scripture, but based on personal taste and preferences. Or cultural preferences. I don't, they don't like that type of music. Or they don't like that, that behavior. That cultural practice. And so they, they, they seek to correct it. Thinking again that they're, they're doing the Lord's work. But they're not at all. It's just something that they might not like personally. 
And they've lifted their preferences up to being equal to Scripture. So you need to know what God's Word says before you go and confront someone. Is this a sinful act? Why am I confronting them on this? Is this truly sinful behavior or is it just something that irritates me? And how do we know that? Well, we get to know what God's Word says. As Colossians says, let the the Word of God dwell in you richly. Begin to know the Scriptures. Gain knowledge of the truths of God's Word. Gain knowledge of uh, what a Scripture uh, condemns and what it allows. In another passage, so that's the two from Romans, but in Colossians 3.16, the Apostle Paul says this, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And so another requirement before we admonish one another is wisdom. Uh, We need wisdom when we speak to people, when we confront people on their, their sin their behavior, their personality. Uh, We need to have wisdom in how we do it. Sending a long, impersonal email is not probably the best way. Probably an unhelpful way. Especially if we're brothers and sisters. Uh, Imagine a close family where, you know, (laughs) uh, you know, you live down down the passage from your sibling and then you write them a long email uh, about an issue. Uh, that's sort of the idea. That's, that's not, not really helpful. I'm not saying there's never a situation where that's necessary, but uh, that is often a lack of wisdom. The way we deal with things and the when we deal with things as well. Uh, wisdom requires that we look for the right time, an opportune time. Not in front of everyone else to go straight after the service when the person is standing there in a group and say, I just want to confront you and challenge you. I want to be faithful to God's word about your Facebook post, okay? Uh, you're humiliating them. People don't respond well to that, no matter how spiritual they are. So you need wisdom when to speak to, to people. Um, I remember uh, a dear friend of mine, him and his wife, uh, he, when, when, when there was something wrong in the relationship, he liked to deal with things immediately. So he wanted to know straight away. And so he would want his wife to confront him straight away. She, on the other hand, did not want to deal with things straight away. She wanted to wait uh, until a a more appropriate time, a more relaxed time. That's all part of wisdom. Get to know the person. Get to know who you're dealing with. Choose a wise time to, to admonish the person. And so we need goodness. Uh, We need knowledge of Scripture. We need wisdom before we start admonishing one another. These are requirements for the child of God. And I think if you take that to heart, uh, it will remove that uh, contentious attitude. It will remove that confrontational spirit. Because if you're seen, am I walking close to the Lord? Is my heart soft before the Lord? Is there a love for my brothers and sisters? A true love for them? Do I really want what's best for them? Or do I just like to put people down? Do I know what God's word says on this issue? Truly, do I know? Not, it's my preference. But do I actually know? Is, is, are the scriptures clear on this? 
Or is it just something in my legalistic background or my culture that I don't like? Is it actually what Scripture condemns? And then, is there wisdom? Am I, am I doing this in a wise way? Am I doing it in a winsome way? The best possible way that will win the person and not push them away. Now, when, when to admonish? Uh, well, pastors do it all the time. Okay, So, the scriptures have a lot to say to pastors. Uh, Colossians 1.28, Him, Paul says this, Him we proclaim. So, as we proclaim Christ, admonishing everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Why is it that people say things like, don't preach at me? Uh, it's because preaching by its very nature is full of admonition. Now, when you come to church, you will receive admonishment. You will receive challenges. You will receive corrections. This is not the way to live. Uh, and so preaching that does not have any admonishment, preaching that is just motivational in nature, preaching that is just anecdotal, is not worthy of the name preaching. Preaching is by very nature confrontational. It must challenge. It must challenge your idols. It's not only that. It's to show us Christ. That's what he says. Him we proclaim. We proclaim Christ. But if, if you're looking for a church uh, where there's no admonishment, no correction, uh, then that's a church that is not proclaiming Christ, not warning people, not challenging people to, to obey Him. The Apostle Paul says this in Acts 20 verse 31 to the Ephesian elders. He says, Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. You see his heart there. Can you admonish with tears? See, that shows his love. That shows his compassion. What he really wants is the be- what is best for his brothers and sisters. It wasn't something that he took delight in. Uh, he wasn't just a confrontational person. No, he warned people. He confronted their sins with tears because uh, he, he wanted people to grow in Christ-likeness. That was his desire. That was his heart, his love for people. First Thessalonians 5 verse 12. Again, Paul says this. He says to the church, We ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So he's talking about the oversight of the church. Those who labor, those who... Uh, this is their vocation. They labor... Uh, and they oversee the church, and they are those who admonish them. He says, to respect them, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish the idol. And so he, he uh, talks then about dealing with specific situations in their, in their midst. Uh, but faithful preaching will involve admonishing. Challenging, confronting. But as we've already said, even for the pastor, and especially for pastors, to do it in love. Not to use the pulpit as a place to beat people, uh, to get their agenda across, to make them into their own image, but out of love, out of with wisdom and knowledge of God's Word, 
to challenge them to the congregation to be like Christ with love. And so this is uh, again, if you if you have a heart for ministry, if you want to be a pastor, uh, don't go don't don't pursue that that line. If you if you cannot admonish people, <laughs> okay. If you're a people pleaser, if you don't, if you never challenge people, if you um, if you can't have hard conversations with people, uh, then ministry is not for you. Ministry is not about pleasing people; it's about pleasing the Lord, and involves difficult conversations. It involves people disagreeing with you and even rejecting you at times. And then again, on the other side, if you're a person who loves fighting, is confrontational, is aggressive, is nasty, again, don't pursue ministry. Okay? Um, it is not, not for you. Not to say that we, we can't change, that's why we are preaching on this, that we're all to change and to grow in, in this area. So what are some specific situations where we are to admonish? Well, first of all, parents with their children. Ephesians 6 verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline, that's paideia, that's the physical component, and instruction, the admonition of the Lord. Uh, if you are not confronting your children on their sin, you are, you are being an unfaithful parent. Uh, we are commanded to do it, especially fathers are commanded to do it, to confront your children on their sin. It's not an optional extra. Uh, it, is, it is love for your children to challenge them. Because if they continue in that behavior, continue in that path, Proverbs is very clear where that, where that leads to. And let me encourage you parents, because it can, it can be draining. Sometimes you feel like all you're doing is, <laughs> is challenging and admonishing. Uh, but persevere. Uh, continue to be faithful to God's word. And then also the examination is, am I doing it in love? Am I doing it in a wise way? Uh, am, am I doing it with knowledge of God's Word? Uh, then the passage we already read from 1 Thessalonians, admonish the idle, those who are, who are lazy. Uh, 1 and 2 Thessalonians deal with lazy believers, to admonish them, to challenge them. Uh, if you're not working, if a man doesn't work, he mustn't eat, the Scripture says. Sadly, one of the things I've seen in, in, in my years of life, not just ministry, but even as a Christian, is often I see, especially men, passionate about theology, but they don't work. <laughs> they, they just read uh, books, and they don't get jobs, and they don't do anything constructive. Uh, in society, they don't have... Uh, income that they're able to give and to support ministry and to do practical things. But they know all the doctrines. They like to, to debate about the intricacies of infralapsarian and supralapsarian theology. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can speak to me afterwards about those. Uh, but, but no, don't be idle. Uh, the scripture is clear on this. Paul has to repeat it several times. Uh, Paul uh, in Titus says this, As for a person who stirs up division 
after admonishing him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Those who are divisive, those who cause division in the church, we are to admonish those. If you're in a situation where someone is causing division, admonish them. Say, if you have an issue, go and speak to to the elders about that. But don't cause division here. Don't don't, uh, try and and, and form factions. That's what the Corinthians did. We are called to be unified as the body of Christ. And then again in 2 Thessalonians, Paul says, if nobody listens to what I've written in this letter, if someone doesn't regard what I've written, uh, they are to admonish him as a brother. So again, we're to admonish those who, who disobey. Now as we come towards the end, I also want to just look at the other side of it. What we should all be is people who are easily admonished. Does that make sense? We want, if, we, if we're children of God, the scripture teaches that we should be those who it's easy to correct. Uh, there are some people where, you know, I battle to fall asleep knowing I have to have this difficult conversation and I know their character and I know their personality and it's probably not going to go well. That's not a good, that's not a good testimony. Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs 9 verse 8. Do not reprove a scoffer, a mocker, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Are you a wise person? You see, the way you respond to correction really reveals if you're a wise person or a fool. Proverbs 19.25 Strike a mocker and the simple will learn prudence. Reprove a man of understanding and he will gain knowledge. So you correct a person of understanding, a wise Christian, he will grow in knowledge. Uh, If our hearts are in the right place, we will want to become more like Christ. We will appreciate correction. We'll say thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. Now sometimes people don't do it in the wisest way. And maybe even in a sinful way. But let me encourage all of us to at least think through whether the, the admonishment is correct. Don't just write it off because maybe the person didn't say it in the best way. Maybe what they're saying is still true. And so as oversight, and this was also when we first planted the church, we've always tried to do that. Even if it's coming from an unhelpful place, even if it's coming from a person who's not walking with the Lord, we've always thought, let's still see if there's some element of truth here. Uh, we, want to, we want to be wise, we want to grow in, in holiness and faithfulness to the Lord. But if you're a proud person, if you're a person that everyone is afraid to talk to, afraid to challenge, to challenge afraid to admonish, uh, that, that reveals something about your personality. So maybe it's worth asking your family, uh, maybe, maybe tomorrow or around dinner or something, am I an easy person to, to correct? 
Maybe you don't want to ask that. Maybe it's too scary. Uh, Or ask your friends. Am I approachable to... If you see something in my life, uh, are you able easily to speak to me about it? Proverbs 27 verse 5 says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Doesn't that remind us of Judas? eh? How does he betray the Lord Jesus Christ with a kiss? Um, Flattery. Uh, Full of praise and uh, never correcting. But the wounds of a friend are faithful. It hurts. Of course it hurts to be corrected. But it's a sign of a true friend. If your friends, if you have friends who never correct you, who never challenge you, it's a problem. Now maybe it's, it's, it's hopefully from this sermon, that will change. Your friends will start to admonish in love and in a wise way and according to knowledge. And we will all sharpen one another, growing in, in holiness, a true friend is one who is, is able to correct us. And of course, there is no greater friend than the Lord Jesus Christ. And you cannot read the Gospels and not see the Lord Jesus Christ admonishing all over the place. Isn't that right? He is correcting people. In love, He comes to us in our darkness, in our ignorance, in our foolishness, in our sin. And He corrects us. He, he reveals the light to us. He comes to the Jewish leaders. He comes to people like uh, Nicodemus and tells them, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thought he was in the kingdom. He thought, I'm Jewish. I'm a man. I'm the religious teacher in Israel. I'm definitely in the kingdom. He was wrong. Jesus challenges him and confronts him, admonishes him. But those who are humble... He encouraged, didn't he? But those who were proud, those who were full of sin, those who needed admonishment, he admonished them. He corrected even his own disciples, often over and over again. And so, uh, as we look to Christ, we see the example of faithful admonishment, a, a Savior who loved us so much, who was willing to wound us, That's one of the things about the Christian life is that, uh, I was telling my my family, especially the children yesterday, is that the Lord loves us too much to let us continue in in a destructive path, even if we're happy in it. He's more concerned about our salvation and being right with Him than our temporal happiness. He admonishes us through the preaching of the Word, through faithful friends. He corrects us. Because He loves us. May the Lord help us by His Spirit to be those who faithfully and lovingly and wisely and even with tears, when necessary, admonish one another, correct one another, warn one another. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, we do ask that we would be a church that Uh, a people that have a paradigm 
for someone disagreeing with us and correcting us, but still loving us. That we would not take everything personally, not be hypersensitive. I pray that we would be a church that uh, when we do see sin, and when it is truly sin, that we would be those who are who admonish in love, with knowledge, with wisdom, with grace, not full of pride, not from a, an arrogant perspective, but out of love, as you did to, to uh, those you met, Lord Jesus Christ, and you continue to do through the preaching of your word. And so we pray that you would help us because, Lord, we do want to become more like you. Uh, we, we know that we all have blind spots. We all have uh, sins that we're not even aware of. And so we, we thank you for brothers and sisters. We thank you for faithful friends. Precious are the wounds of a friend. And so please work in us as a, as a community, as we grow in love for one another, as we grow in the one another commands. May we grow in this one as well. In Jesus' name, amen.